The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. What's up, everybody? And welcome to the 49th episode of the Schmidt Talking Podcast. I'm Alec Walt alongside Kyle Allen. We're two members of the class of 2017 who are obsessed with Bonnie's basketball. Kyle, welcome to you. Alec, what's going on, my dude? We are one episode away from the half century mark, which is a pretty cool thing to say. Flown by since we started our first episode, so it's exciting to almost get to that 50th episode. And coming off the W last night versus St. Joe's, I was at the game and we had some stuff to talk about with Jalen Adams and his NBA career. And it couldn't turn and come at a better time right now for Jalen as he uh, is starting. He's a rookie year, but going to have a lot more years ahead of him, and this is just the beginning. Yeah, we got some excellent news regarding Jalen Adams earlier today. According to Adrian Wojnarowski, the GOAT, the Atlanta Hawks are converting the two-way contract of rookie guard Jalen Adams into a regular NBA deal. League sources tell ESPN Adams will get a partial guarantee on the 2019-2020 season, and then he went to mention that Adams graduated from St. Bonaventure. So, Kyle, there is a Bonnie back in the NBA, and there's not too much depth at point guard in Atlanta. No, and, you know, he's only averaged 1.3 points. He's only gotten five minutes per game, but that was when, you know, Atlanta was a lot deeper of a roster at that position. And with Jeremy Lin now on his way to Toronto, it's huge for him. He's going to get a lot more time. I think Atlanta knows that they are looking for draft positioning at this point of the season post-All-Star break. and. With it being All-Star break, he can prepare for his opportunity that's going to come post-All-Star break, and I'm excited for you know what's coming next for him. I think towards the end of the season, we're going to really start to see him get an opportunity with the Hawks and play some against the best talent we'll ever face. So it's very exciting, and we, like you said, another Bonnie is back in the NBA. Nicholson had a very hot start to his career and kind of dwindled from there. Let's see if Adams can be different and you know, start at a smaller point and see if he can grow into you know a regular bench player for the Hawks or another roster down the road. On a previous podcast, you and I discussed how Jalen fit in today's NBA. He's a guard that can control the pace. He's a great passer, has excellent court vision, can also shoot threes and play defense. Yeah, and opposite of that, when it came to Andrew, when his time you know, it was coming to an end in the NBA, his game really didn't complement to where it was going, right? Before, you know, the guys that are six eight, six nine at the four position or they have to now extend out to, you know, extend their game, which he was doing. He was hitting a lot of NBA threes, but defensively he was just a liability. And so when it comes to what Jalen fits into in today's league, I think it's something where he has to improve his defense a little bit, but his three-point shooting just can't be denied. And a lot of teams are looking for that. The Sixers of my favorite team, Previously, had a guy named Landry Shamit, a guy out of Wichita State, late first-round pick, but a guy who came off the bench and was just an absolute spark behind the three-point line. And so that a lot of teams are looking for that. That's what is needed, especially for teams when they want to start making the playoffs and have a deeper bench. I think Jalen's opportunity is going to come. It's just a matter of how much can he execute it coming from the home stretch of the rest of the NBA season. Because when you look at Atlanta right now, they're a team that shoots a lot of threes. If you look at starting point guard Trey Young, he's been compared at times to Steph Curry. I mean, I don't really think he's Steph Curry, but he's a guy that likes to shoot threes as a point guard. Another guy is starting shooting guard Kevin Herter. He's a guy that played for Maryland. 
Bonnie's actually faced him when they played against Maryland last year in a tournament. So Jalen's going to a team where he's going to be able to show how good he can shoot threes. And when he was in the G League, he shot 35.6% from three. But let's look at the Hawks roster right now and how Jalen fits. If you look at their starting lineup, I don't think he's going to start. But they got Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Torian Prince, John Collins, and Dwayne Dedman. Looking at their bench, they have absolutely zero playmaking. Amari Spellman, he's a power forward. DeAndre Bembry, an A-10 player who played for St. Joe's. We'll get into that game in a little bit. He's a wing. Vince Carter is also a wing. Alex Len is the backup center. And Kent Bazemore and Justin Anderson are more 3 and D type wings. This Atlanta Hawks team is desperate for some bench playmaking. And based on what I saw from Jalen Adams in the G League, you can kind of tell why they were willing to let a guy like Jeremy Lin go and use that 15th spot for a guy like Jalen. So Kyle, looking at this roster, he's clearly the second playmaker on this team. Yeah, and I think he's going to be what they're looking for off the bench in that sense. Um, You know, obviously Young is the guy who's going to be getting most of the minutes, but their games aren't very different. You know, we know what Jay can do. He's made 10 threes in a game last year, and five of them were, you know, way beyond NBA threes. So we know he can extend his range. So I think they're going to give him this opportunity to do that. Realistically, how many minutes do you think he's getting? Let's see, he was at like five before. I think you could expect, you know, something around 15 minutes a game, maybe 12 to 15, all depends. If he starts playing better, then yeah, it's only going to increase. I'd say around like 13-ish to start and see what what it increases from there, in my opinion. Yeah, looking at how the Hawks distribute their minutes, Trey Young leads the team with 30 minutes per game. He also leads the Hawks with assists at 7.6, but no other player on the roster averages more than three now that Jeremy Lin is part of the Toronto Raptors. So Jalen Adams is in a great situation to get some playing time. And hopefully he can eventually sign a long-term deal with an NBA team. So, Kyle, looking at yesterday's game, the Bonnies had a road game against St. Joe's. They defeat St. Joe's 76-51. to I mean, it's just a downward spiral at this point for the Hawks. You were at the game. What are your thoughts on the Bonnies' performance? Being at the game, it was the best performance I think I've seen from us all year, defensively and offensively. Stockard went 8 of 13 from the floor, only 1 of 4 from 3, but 19 points. Griffin added a huge 10 rebounds and 16 points, but I was just pleased to see Caputo come off the bench and score 9. And even Poyser at the end scored 9 himself. But defensively, we held them to 29%, and that was, I think, the difference right there. And We won the rebounding margin by 12. As I said, the rebounding margin, I think, is just what's going to define our season. I think from here on out, we just got to really – learn to play bigger, and I think that's what we did yesterday. Soon really held his own, and I was really impressed with him and his defensive ability yesterday. He held uh, Charlie Brown, had, was 4 of 17, Bynum was 2 of 11, and Lorenzo Edwards was only 1 of 4. So they tried everything and just couldn't get anything going. Their guard, Bynum, and then Charlie Brown. For him to shoot 17 shots and only make four, it's just, just a testament to what we were doing on the defensive end, and it was a very impressive win, and Hopefully we can just build that momentum. I think out of the next seven games, if we can steal the next four, not steal, but, you know, prove that we are worthy of winning four out of the next seven, that would be huge for us to get, you know, I think around like a six seed. 
Yeah, that'd be awesome if we get a six seed. You and I did a podcast earlier this year projecting where we thought the Bonnies would rank. You had them at fifth. I had them at seventh. So six would be perfectly in the middle of our two predictions from earlier this year. And just to add to that, I mean, I just know that this team, if they can just remember that this is what they're capable of and just play in rhythm like they did yesterday, I just know that they have that ability to be this type of team consistently. It's just, I think they just got to do it game after game. And obviously, it just sounds very cliche to say, but it's just been so up and down, especially in the A-10 in general. So, and how young the A-10 is in general. My brother was telling me, he saw a stat that someone had posted. I think there's only one or two teams that start seniors in the Atlantic 10. So, it's a pretty crazy thing to think about, but it kind of makes sense to where this league is going and is very young right now. And the Bonnies have an opportunity to, you know, really take advantage of these final seven games. So, it's just got some tough games, like we said, Davidson on the road, Dayton on the road. But I think we can do it. Yeah, and if we're going to do it, we're going to need to make our shots. Like, oh, look at the great analysis Walt just made. Bonnie's need to make their shots to win games. It's obvious. But when you look at last week in the two games against Duquesne and VCU, the Bonnie's shot 37 for 134 for 27.6% from the field and 3 for 35 from 3. The Bonnies last week, before they played St. Joe's, probably had the worst shooting week this season. Maybe the Syracuse game they shot worse. Other than that, I can't really think of a worse shooting time they've had this season than those two games. Looking at the game against St. Joe's, they shot 29 for 57, 50.9 from the field, and 8 for 19 from 3 for 42.1. That is a Huge jump after having the worst shooting week of the season. Yeah, and as our boy Chucky Maggio said, word for word, this is his tweet. This was previous, you know, to St. Joe's game. He said, how bad of a shooting slump is St. Bonaventure in? In the last three games, the Bonnies have the worst three-point shooting percentage in their entire country at 16%. And on this day last year, they were at 47% for 12th in the country. So it's just crazy to think, yeah, difference of this team's ability versus last year, obviously, but we knew what we were getting into. I just think this team just gets their offense started a lot later into the shot clock. I, it's just an average of, you know, between like 15 or 12 seconds left in the shot clock where, you know, we're finally getting the offense started compared to last year where Jay had the reins of, you know, pulling up with 25 seconds left in the shot clock. So it's a, you know, a little different right now, but I think Schmidt's got a good thing going, you know, with the starting lineup that's, you know, officially in for, you know, the rest of the season, I would assume. So, Kyle, looking ahead at the schedule, the Bonnies have a home game on Sunday against George Mason, and they're going to have to knock down their shots if they want to win this game. George Mason is one of the better teams in the Atlantic 10. They're currently in fourth at 8-3 and three in the conference, 14-10 and 10 overall. The Bonnies played George Mason earlier this year, back in January, and they lost 68 to 53. But looking at George Mason's schedule, they've struggled a little bit on the road lately. They lost at VCU 79 to 63 and at Richmond 81 to 67, two rivalry games that they ended up on the losing end. So Kyle, based on what you saw at St. Joe's, you think it's going to carry over to George Mason or do you think they're going to go back to what we saw last week missing shots and hopefully not what we saw against VCU. I think since we're at home, I think it can. I think, you know, obviously the game against VCU was different, and they're, I think, the best team in the conference, in my opinion. So 
it's going to be different against this team. You know, George Mason is fighting for a top four spot. Obviously, we know that. But I think since it's a home game, yeah, I think we definitely can pull this off. Like you said, we just got to be consistent from the outside. And I, as I said, remember to play it bigger and win the rebounding margin. And that, if you go back to all of our wins, I guarantee every single time we won the rebounding margin. Yeah, we won the rebounding margin against Duquesne. That's when Osun had 22 rebounds on his own. We did not win the rebounding battle against VCU. That was one of the worst rebounding performances, in my opinion. I was at the game. I watched the Bonnies, and it was just an ugly team performance in general. Looking at George Mason, they're not the best rebounding team. They really rely on a lot of their backcourt players to get rebounds. Um, Justin Keir leads the team with 6.7 rebounds. Jordan Miller is second with 5.3. Javon Green is third with 4.1. And finally, their big man, Jared Ruder, is fourth with 4.2. And remember the name Justin Kyer, because when he played against St. Bonaventure earlier this year, he went off in the rebounding department. Kyer had 14 rebounds against St. Bonaventure. He had 14 in the previous games against St. Joe's, 12 against Davidson, 10 against Rhode Island, 11 against George Washington. This dude is a beast on the boards, and the bodies have to pay attention to him because one of the main reasons why George Mason was so successful in the first game this season was because Kyra was so good on the boards. Yeah, and one of the big things now compared to that game was obviously the starting lineup now with Tom Welsh. In the starting lineup, Tyre is going to have to play, you know, a guy with a little more versatility. And, and then with Osun, you know, Reuter is going to have a guy who defensively, I think, is some of the best you'll see in the Atlantic 10. And we were at the St. Joe's game yesterday and got to speaking with uh, Dr. John Giannini. He's doing color analyst uh, work for NBC Sports and CBS Sports for the Atlantic 10 games and other stuff. But he was saying, I would tell that kid right now, if I were his coach, to block every single shot he sees. And so... What he means by that is is just don't be afraid. I mean, we saw that with Nicholson as a freshman. How he's I I don't think he is. Osun's really been blocking you know virtually everything he sees and at least trying to. But if you're hearing that from that coach, he just knows what this kid's potential can really be, and it's exciting to hear. Yeah, Oshun's been a block machine this year. He's averaging 2.4 per game on the season, 57 total blocks. That's 46 blocks more than Ladarian Griffin, who's second on the team with 11. So Kyle, to end the show, what's your score prediction for George Mason? I'm going to say the Bonnies pull this one out, but very close game. I'm going to go 76-72 Bonnies. I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. George Mason is an excellent team. They are a better team than St. Bonaventure. St. Bonaventure struggled this year against teams that are better than them and have played really well against teams that are worse than them. Since George Mason is a better team than St. Bonaventure, I just have a feeling they're going to come to the Riley Center and win this game. Yes, I mentioned earlier that George Mason has lost their last two road games. They're looking for some redemption here. They're a team that has experience against St. Bonaventure this season. They're a team that's beat St. Bonaventure pretty handedly earlier this year. So I'm going to say 70-63. to 63. Uh, I think the Bonnie's going to put up a fight this year. Definitely the new starting lineup change is going to be a little bit different of a look for George Mason. We'll see how they respond to that. And the fact that the Bonnie's looked awful at home, and you don't really know if their shots are going to fall or not. I'm going to go with the fact that George Mason is the better team than St. Bonaventure, and they will win this game by seven. That's me for this episode of the Schmidt Talking Podcast. I'm Alec Wall alongside Kyle Allen. Tune in next week as we keep you up to date with all things St. Bonaventure basketball. Thank you for listening, and have a good night.